Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Here in Iowa, a thing that you have to get to every year is the Iowa Deer Classic. And, you know, I've lived in Iowa for a long time, and I never went until last year. And I almost didn't even get to go then. My wife works weekends or was at least working that weekend at the time. She works every weekend now. But at that time, she was working the weekend. I have uh, three little kids, and uh, I needed some babysitting. And I live about an hour away from the Deer Classic, and I was going to take my son and uh, went to get in the vehicle to start it up, and the battery was dead. Somebody left the overhead light on all no. night long. <laughs> and and so I was scrambling, had to charge the battery, and uh, got the kids dropped off. My, my daughters dropped off at my aunt's house like, you know, 45 minutes late. And uh, mm-hmm. it left me with basically 45 minutes to uh, get to the Deer Classic and like walk around the Deer Classic. And so, you gotta get a jumper pack. <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> I got one now. I got one now. But, uh, good deal. But I get there and man, the place is a thing to behold. If you're a whitetail guy and uh, you're, you're living here in the whitetail state in Iowa and, uh, I'm walking around with my son, Jonas, and we're just like, you know, it's almost hard to take it all in. There's so much to see. Oh, yeah. And uh, we go walking down this far row, and I meet two really cool people. Uh, The first guy is Ryan Bryson, who I'm still trying to nail down a time to get on the podcast. Um, Ryan lives near one of the areas where I hunt, and so we're going to try and uh, do that one live sometime, but Ryan is a, a whitetail land manager. Uh, uh, and he does more than whitetail too, but that's his primary thing. And, cool. uh, so we, we talked for a while and, uh, exchange phone numbers, all that. Then I walk a little, Oh, I don't know, maybe like 15 booths, uh, farther down the line. And here's this guy selling hats. He's really <laughs> cool hats. He's got a cool logo. He's a, hats. that's right. He's a YouTuber. He's, he's somebody who I like, I could relate to immediately. Of course I used to do a YouTube channel. It still exists out there, but, um, I did not have time to do both. And so I stuck with a podcast and did not stick with uh, the YouTube channel, but I could relate from the podcast side, just how tough it can be to be producing content all the time. And, uh, Jake and I will talk about this more later. I'm sure he'll share his thoughts again, but, uh, the idea of when you get into this, you think, Oh, you know what? I'm going to be hunting all the time now because I, I produce hunting content and it's hard to do both of those things. And so Jake, it, Jake and I, we just had this great conversation for like 10 minutes. He was busy. There were other people coming in. Um, but, uh, we exchanged numbers and, um, we kind of lost touch and, uh, we followed each other on Instagram. So he'd see stuff going on there, you know, I'd check out his uh, YouTube channel every now and then and, and, uh, see what he's up to. Well then by like fate, I switched my job up over that <laughs> past year, got a job with, uh, Hoxie native seeds 
and um, we decided, hey, you know, we're in the we're in kind of the hunting habitat business. I mean, that's definitely a big part of our business. Right. Um, we should get a booth at the Deer Classic. And so we set up our booth, and who's directly <laughs> across from us? None other than Jake Sproul of Deer Co. And it was it was yeah, awesome God. to reconnect. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, and you know, like fate would have it, right? So I was, I had a booth in the main hall last year, Hall A, I want to say, is how they refer to it. And then I was I was slow on the gun to get a booth this year. So even more so by chance, yeah, I got in there late and he's like, Hey, we got one spot. It was literally one spot. left, <laughs> And so I, I'm like, perfect. It was a 21. I sign it done deal. And we end up across from each other. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I almost forgot to reserve <laughs> ours too. So we probably got the second to last booth, but, uh, <laughs> probably, <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a great, we were spot. in the last hall. Yeah. Or, we were in one of the last rows, so but it ended up. I was worried about it not being that good of a, a traffic spot for people coming in and out. But luckily, that elevator uh, or what do you want to call it escalator oh, yeah. was right there for people to get upstairs and downstairs. So it was yep. a great spot. I would I would have that spot again next year. Honestly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's not quite as chaotic as in the the main hall too. You know, sometimes I right. think at those trade shows you can it can almost get too busy to where people Mm -hmm. don't want to stop because the flow of traffic is moving. They don't, you know, they want to just stay with the flow. So I I felt like it was the right amount of busy where we were at. We constantly had someone to talk to and sold some seed and and talked a lot of deer hunting. So, but anyways, it's great to reconnect with Jake. Uh, I thought he was going to be joining me from just like a couple hours away, but he's like way down in Florida right now, soaking up. uh, Yeah. You escaped the last snowstorm, man. We got dumped on a few days ago, but you better be careful when you come back because uh, Thursday, it's supposed to happen again, buddy. Well, my flight's on Thursday morning, so that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about maybe my flight getting – I have a direct flight, so if we leave out of here, we either come back to Florida – and I'm here, which is okay. Or I'm, or we're sending it into Cedar Rapids and that's it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh man. What a nice group. Welcome back when you get off the plane. Right. But, right. but no, uh, Jake is a really cool guy. He's his YouTube channel. What's been cool is <clears throat> in a way, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm almost glad we stayed out of touch for a year because I was able to see how your, uh, podcast or not your podcast, your YouTube channel grew in that time. It was like, you meet this guy. Okay. You don't really have any interaction for a while. How's he doing now? And man, it's grown leaps and bounds. So I think when we first started, uh, following each other, you were probably around, uh, sub, sub 1000. I think you're in like maybe the low hundreds for subscribers. Yeah, when we first started, I think the, like before the season started for October one, I want to say, we're at like 43 subs. Wow. October 1, start of the season. So, yeah, this is a big, big change. Yeah. Just development, I should say. Yeah. Just jumped leaps and bounds. A lot of his videos have tens of thousands of views on them. Um, just, you do a great job editing them. Of course, uh, that first year. So, here, this was really cool. After I met you, I realized I'd seen one of your videos circulating around, you know, different deer hunting pages on Facebook or something. Uh, I think it was uh, your buddy that was working on the channel with you shot like a 200 yep. inch. What, what was the final score? On that was a two Oh five. 
Yeah, I want to say it was either 205 or 204, somewhere in that ballpark, but yeah. And it was like near railroad tracks or something like that. It was just like yeah. all this drama with yeah, tra- yeah. trains rolling Big. through and it's cool. Yeah, and even more so, well, so it's an 18-acre piece, right? So how many, you know, a lot of people, number one, are way overlooking small parcels like that. Oh, I think yeah. that's that's a whole nother subject in itself that we could get oh, into. Oh, let's hit it. Yeah, let's hit do. it. Yep. But uh you know, it's it just this tiny little 18 acre parcel that butts up against the big tree planting, uh, an area known to hold big deer. Um, and actually subsequently, so me and me and Chase, I guess we'll just, we'll start from the, start from the beginning of it, I guess, yeah. and kind of work our way into the story of, of this deer specifically. So me and Chase both worked as interns at Midwest Whitetail, right? I wondered, I okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I thought you had said that at one point. Yep. Yeah. So that's, kind of where we got our start um i know that i'm pretty sure that was chase's kind of introduction to the hunting industry i actually worked at a whitetail outfitter in saskatchewan in 2017 so that was like oh, my first awesome. introduction yeah and i just kind of was feeling feeling it out i knew i wanted to work in the hunting industry not quite sure where i fit in and what i wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, i was going to school for criminal justice and playing lacrosse in college i had no real interest in and what I was, you know, studying, I just knew that I wanted to hunt and work yeah. in some way, shape, or form in the hunting industry. So anyway, I do this thing in Canada. Uh, I went back to school, and then this internship program, you know, was was going on, and uh, I applied, got an internship, and then come that July, uh, I was headed to Iowa. So me and Chase, he was the year after me. I ha- I happened to stay in Iowa. He comes in for his internship in 2020. And we kind of connected during uh, the archery deer season in Iowa. Uh, I had a boat. He had a boat. I was hunting some public at the time. And I like taking people out and showing them some spots, new spots and stuff like that. He's from Virginia. I'm from New York. So we're both learning on the fly, right? As you know, when you first come to a new state or on an out-of-state venture, you're you're constantly learning new pieces. And I think one day I was just – I asked him if he wanted to go hunt this piece with me and he's like, yeah, you know, that'd be cool. And so we go racing down there. Uh, first time out, actually I got pulled over and got a speeding ticket. Chase, like, <laughs> the first time we ever like, yeah, I was, uh, we were, we were late to a spot and, uh, Paul in there and a, and a cop pulls us over. But long story short, me and Chase get together and, and then leading into Turkey season, we start Turkey hunting more together and, and just kind of meshed. We, we meshed really well together. Right. And, uh, you know, neither of us, you know, had a job at that point in time. I had just left, uh, I guess I left out a small segment there. I worked for born and raised outdoors for a small time in Oregon after my internship. Oh, right? wow. So for six months. So, yeah. uh, what's all their names again? Um, shoot. I've seen Trent and, uh, Cody, Cody. Yep. And, uh, what's, there's a third brother too, right? Um, no, there's, there's, a. I should know, I should know all their names, but it, it, it escapes me sometimes. It's Cody, Trent and Trevor is the, that's right. Trent yep. and Trevor are brother. Trent and Trevor are brothers. And then Steve, who's like their buddy who he has a real full-time job. Same with Trevor. He's a dentist, but they like okay. are really involved. Um, yeah. So I had a six month 
contract basically with an option to at the end to sign on for another year and honestly just i couldn't stand living in oregon man i just yeah i loved my job if it was in iowa i would have i would have stayed but yeah what was so like what was the what was the big turnoff with oregon well number one it's so far away man to go back to new york uh you know you're it's a whole day of being on an airplane you know it's not like it's just even two flights i think i had three flights to get home the expense of doing it and to deer hunt there's no whitetails uh i I shouldn't say there's no whitetails but in oregon you know it's columbia uh whitetail or and blacktail you know it's just it's a whole different deal so it's just like i just and i wasn't a resident i wasn't gonna get my residency and um I was presenting some some ideas to them like, hey, you know, the the whitetail space is huge. You know, that could be something that you guys could get involved in. Let me move to Iowa. I'll come and I'll film your whole elk season mm-hmm. and produce it for you. And then I'll go back to Iowa and I'll produce a whitetail series for you, you know. But they really wanted someone uh, in-house, right, sure. and, and that was going to be there all the time i had my own office there so i, I was wow. in office every day and that's pretty alongside cool of that, I, yeah, I, was I had great. no idea they they had they were you know like that i, I guess formal i guess you'd say but oh, yeah super established that's yeah. really cool well they used to run yeah. full, full draw didn't they aren't they the ones that started the full draw film tour yeah so cody started the full draw film tour and then he sold it to whoever now uh whoever now owns it and Yes. Yeah. They, that channel uh, took off. Jade. Too. Jade uh, Helmich, I think is his name. I've had yeah. him on this podcast before. Great guy. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted to know something funny about the Full Draw Film Tour and uh, the Deer Classic. So I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw my son Jonas there. At uh, Briefly, I saw you yeah. drifting around. <laughs> yeah, he was there with me on the second day of the Classic this year. And he thought it was the same thing as the – as the full draw film tour. Cause I took him to that this last summer. <laughs> and so we're like walking around and he's like, he's like, daddy, when does the classic start? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? We're, we're here right now. <laughs> we're and, here, man. This is it. And he's like, he's like quiet for me. He's, I could tell he wasn't satisfied with that answer. And he's like quiet for a few minutes. He's like, well, did I sleep the whole time during the classic? And I'm like, right. I'm like, no, you've been awake the whole. Th- we're at the Deer Classic, and then it dawned on me. He's like, well, where, where's the theater? And and, and uh, yeah, he was waiting for the video to turn on. So then he realized there are two different things. But but no, that's that's really cool though that you were working for those guys. They I I really enjoy their videos. They have an awesome channel. I like it when they. Uh, and maybe this is just a testament to the kind of people they are. They like to collaborate a lot, it seems, with other yes. channels. And it's really fun watching those videos and, and uh, you know, seeing their personalities as they interact with their friends. They just seem like really good dudes. But, but uh, yeah. th- no, that, that makes sense, man. Being that far away from your people is – that's tough. And – Yep. And you probably felt, you know, pretty isolated at times too with, with moving out to a job where you don't know anybody really and, and all that. So I get it. Totally. The, the nice thing about it was it was an easy transition because one of the other interns at Midwest Whitetail, Tyler Niedergall, had actually gotten a job with them. Okay. Uh, Aaron Warbritton actually set it up crazy enough. And, oh, very uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's so then, the the – 
so just so people realize who Midwest Whitetail is, if they're not familiar, that's Bill Winky, right? Was he the one who set set that up? Yeah, yep. He's the one that he's the original owner of Midwest Whitetail. Yep. Okay, and and that was going on down in Iowa. Do they still have that going on in Iowa? Because Bill, well, Bill still lives in Iowa, but he moved like way to another part of the state, right? Yeah, and sold Midwest, Midwest Whitetail has been. I think a lot of people that are that listen to this that are fans of Midwest Whitetail know what we're talking about, but there's a lot of new faces. Um, some 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 new, some old, but uh, you know it's been sold and bought and sold and bought and it's changed hands a few oh, times. Really? So yeah, I think Chad Holmes is the owner of it now who I don't even know who Chad Holmes is. Okay. So that's interesting. You no, know, it's definitely for me, I was a big Midwest Whitetail fan. That's why I got the internship there. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if Bill's not narrating it, uh, you know, I, I can't like, I just don't watch anymore. I can't be a fan if, if it's not the show that it's like, it's like being a fan of the office and then just taking like Michael Scott and all the characters yeah. out of it and, and like trying to get to watch it again. <laughs> and call it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just had that conversation at work today. People are like, Oh, whenever I watch the office, Michael just bothers me so much. I'm like, yeah, but try watching the episodes after he's gone. You just right. not near as yeah. good. No, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great analogy there. And, and Bill is doing his own thing still on YouTube, but, and I'm sure I'm sure, you know, we don't want to take anything away from Midwest Whitetail. I'm sure right. they still have great stuff going on. And and uh, yeah. the, the hunting public guys, they all went through there as well, didn't they? Right, yeah. So <clears throat> Zach Farenbaugh, Aaron Warbritton, um, and then Jake Ubschman and Ted, to the best of my knowledge, uh, were set to be interns, okay. essentially. And then there was a split there at some point in time and they just, you know, went with those guys. They went with Greg, uh, Aaron and Zach and just kind of teamed up and did their own deal. That's how Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, originated, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of really cool people to go through there and you've been rubbing shoulders with some really uh, big names in the industry. And I'm sure have learned just a tremendous amount of valuable information for, you know, marketing your own brand and, and, uh, you know, doing cool stuff with your edits and, and, uh, you know, it's probably really helped springboard everything you're doing with Deerco. Oh, totally. And in more so like the Midwest whitetail deal was like kind of getting thrown into the fire as far as the editing side of things go. So sure. that's where I learned really the editing, you know, my process and all, all that pertains to that. And then into the born and raised side of things, I had a, a, a far more in-depth look at just their business model. You know, every Monday we'd sit down and have a meeting and they'd be going over stuff that was way over my head. Sure. You know, whether it be, you know, merchandise or sponsorships, uh, you know, so it was, it was cool to be involved in those conversations and mm-hmm. just see how they operate on a daily basis. You know, that's, that was, that was huge. Although not no, anywhere near the scale that they're at. Um, so some of it doesn't pertain to me at this point. Right. But moving forward, you know, you hope to eventually get to that point where, you know, you can use more of that knowledge. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Yep. Well, yeah, if your channel's grown as fast as it did in this last year, you know, I'm excited to see how that right. multiplies going forward. And and I got to think, you know, there's a lot of times, because I've had these thoughts too doing a podcast. You know, I got a f- another full-time job. I got kids and wife and you know, a lot of other responsibilities. Plus, I want to get out and hunt. I want to get out and shed hunt, you know, my two favorite things to do. So uh, there's times when you're producing this content that you, you're kind of like, man, should I just should I just hang all this up and, and, uh, just focus on the other things I got going on. And, and, uh, you know, I'm really glad that I hung on the last, uh, year for me, there's just been so much transition really the last year and a half, almost two years. Uh, we moved out to where we're at now and, uh, we had another, uh, kid, I changed a job, um, uh, twice my wife changed her job once and she's getting ready to uh, move to a different department in the hospital where she works now and you know so like all this change that's gone on it's just been hard to keep up on it but I'm glad I held on and you know I've learned from so many other people that I've gotten to have on the podcast honestly that's been the best part you know um, right just when you have these conversations with guys like you or or you know guys that could be on any I think this will be episode number 119 that you're on right now you know all the other guys on the other episodes man iron sharpening iron so many good conversations and uh mm-hmm. you know this is the first gen hunter podcast so i'm a guy who had to learn as an adult how to hunt and i would be so many steps behind where i am now had i not stuck with a podcast and learned from people with so much more experience than myself you know it's really aged me and, and given me a lot of cool opportunities you know uh, so right. it's, it's worth it, to to keep grinding at it and, and, uh, you know, burning the midnight oil and boiling that late cup or pot of coffee right. and right. getting the editing done and everything else, you know, it's just totally worth it. So yeah, hang, you know, hang in there with the channel. What's your ultimate dream with the channel, man? So you have these big aspirations, right? You're like, I just want to lay it out there, buddy. Lay it out there. Right. We want to so, make it happen for you. I mean, at the end of the day, I would love to have 200,000 subscribers and make a legitimate living off of the channel, right? Yeah. You know, ultimately, if I could just and have that, that would be my dream, right? right. Um, but along the way, like you said, you know, you're, you're very happy you didn't give up on the podcast deal. You know, there's definitely times and, and people that there's a lot of people that are not going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, this is. I work in the summer, I pour concrete in the summer, and then I take off the rest of the year to hunt. It's it's hard to sustain your lifestyle. Oh, you know, and man, my life yeah. has has changed drastically. I mean, I've been single I had been single for five plus years. And then, you know, I got a girlfriend now who moved to Iowa with me. So okay, I'm yeah. not living in my buddy's uh living room, you know, paying sure. 300 bucks a month with a curtain for a door, a sheet for a door, <laughs> you know, like I've got like a house now and, and granted she's been super supportive, uh, has helped me out a ton. And, but, awesome. but basically what I'm saying is that, you know, time goes on, you get a little bit older and, you know, I'm 26 years old now and you try to, you know, slow things down a little bit, but ultimately, you know, it seems like time is flying by and you oh, want to have this success. Like, now I want it to, I want to continue to grow and, and, you know, have some successful partnerships with people. And that in itself takes time. You got to build relationships. And, uh, so it's definitely, 
you know, my eyes have definitely been opened up to yeah. what does it take to, to, to really do this. And I'm sure just as you have had happen, there's definitely days when I, when I'm, you know, doing something and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, you know, you see your friend, like all my friends, they live either live in New York city, Boston, you know, they're working for yep. a bank or, you know, what have you, uh, doing, uh, surgical device sales, like whatever it might be. Yeah. And they're all like getting together in like Hoboken, New Jersey to like go out drinking for a night in New York city or go to like, you know, South Carolina or yeah. these, cool, these places everyone gets, gets to go get, get do things. And here I am, like, I have the money to go do it, but if I go and do that, I'm not going to be able to afford to deer hunt for the rest of the year or right. whatever it might be. So it's a constant juggle, but, uh, you know, I'm glad that I've stuck with it, uh, so far and, and, you know, we'll continue to do so. Now there might be a time when, you know, I may need to get a full-time job, uh, that allows me some flexibility to still do this stuff, but also earn a little bit more, you know, income than I am now. It's a jug. It's a juggling act. You got to figure out, you know, what what do I really need financially for the year to make it right now until we yeah. can, you know, scale things up. But yeah, no, that's, that's uh, where I'm at. That, I'm glad you shared your your true thoughts on that, man. I think a lot of, a lot of people don't get to hear that, and they sit there and they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to do a YouTube channel, and then they hit reality real hard, you know. And who knows? That might have happened to you had you not previously had the experience with uh born and raised and and um right. with uh midwest whitetail you know rubbing shoulders with other guys who've been in that spot you know you you could have hit that you know what do they call that disenchantment or whatever you right. know of what's what's reality and could have given up but but look you stuck with it and and i'm confident you're gonna keep growing man uh there's there's no doubt about that so yeah that's that's cool i i think that's a very attainable dream for you and you know what else too, when you go to the, like, so you're away for all this time, especially during deer season, it's pretty lonely time, Yep. you know, yep. you know, I, I'm hunting every single day. Um, I had a cameraman for a short while, obviously, like I said, excuse me, I can't pay a camera guy full time, you know, no. I just don't have the funds. It's so expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, ha- but was lucky enough to have someone come help and, you know, he ended up leaving early. So the rest of the year I was kind of by myself and it's a lonely time. So, so you're by yourself all the time. Then spring comes around and you go to an event like the Iowa deer classic. And until that time, you're like, ah, people watch the videos, but sometimes you get into that feeling like who really cares? Nobody cares. And then you go to the Iowa deer classic and people just come out of the woodwork like, Hey man, I love watching your stuff yeah. and it makes you feel good. You're like, that wow, is, like this, that is the best feeling in the world, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It's, it's unbeatable. And it's, you know, you're not doing it for somebody else, but it definitely feels good to get a pat on the back. You know what I yeah. mean? It's, it's, and, and it's in a way nice. we are, you know, we, we put the time in editing because we want them to enjoy the show, not right. just so that they keep coming back or so that they hit the subscribe button or the like button or whatever. We, we want them to be, you know, entertained, you know, I, 
man, when I found out that podcasts were a thing and I didn't have to try and stay awake listening to some, you know, terrible show on AM radio that was half static, you know, and I yeah. tuned into my first podcast and I was like, holy cow, I can listen about hunting 24 seven if I wanted to, you know, that mm-hmm. was like, man, I got so much enjoyment and still do from listening to all sorts of shows, you know? And so, yeah, I think we do this to, to entertain and educate our, our followers for sure. So absolutely no a lot of a lot of good truth you put in there man would you agree with this so what you said there about deer hunting being lonely some of my most exciting like best moments in my life have happened while deer hunting and some of my most lonely moments in life Mm -hmm. have happened while deer hunting yeah yeah because your mind wanders you know Yep. it's it's a it's an odd feeling that you can't you will not be able to wrap your head around it if you haven't been there and you know it's november 15th and you've been sitting all day you know since november 4th and you're just a guy in a tree and it's freezing cold out and you're yeah sure there's time periods that go through the day when you're like oh where are the deer like i hope i see this deer you're envisioning things and then sometimes you have some honest like you know so conversations with yourself so to speak like yeah. you, you get deep in thought about certain things in your life that are going on and sometimes it can be pretty heavy man <laughs> like you're just oh, by yeah. yourself out there yeah it's, oh yeah it's uh I, I you know there's there's times when i feel like if you're if you have something going on ultimately you know it's it's a i don't know what the it's it's some sort of therapy right i mean tree stand therapy everyone you know it's kind of cliche but at the end of the day you know people are dealing with a lot of stuff everyone's dealing with something out there so Mm -hmm. you know for those of you that are bow hunters and and dedicate quite a bit of time into the tree stand you'll have times when you can kind of reflect on things going on in your life and it's 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 pretty special uh place to be for sure yeah yeah definitely that's a good way to say it you know it's like i think you know what makes for good counseling or good therapy is like you the things are revealed that you don't normally see either you don't have the time for it or you don't have the uh i don't know just the the focus to really look at yourself under the microscope and uh so when you're having that therapy session like you said you're that stuff gets brought up to you it's revealed to you and then you also have time to think about it and process it and uh come up with some action plans going forward i don't know if you're a religious guy or not i do a lot of praying while i'm while I'm sitting there or, or even, you know, pull up the Bible app on my phone and do a little reading at times and, and, you know, try and try and think. And sometimes I'll realize, man, I should probably climb down. I got, you know, I've got, I've gotten a little too obsessed here, you know, for a week or two and I've been in, right. spending too much time in the tree, not enough time with my kids or my wife. And, uh, you know, so you make those corrections as needed, but no, I think, uh, you know, that's part of why hunting is so important to be a part of, you know, anyone who's got any interest in it at all. I think it's so important for it to be a part of their life because it, it, it achieves those things. So yeah, very well, very well said. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, uh, like switch this up a little bit here. You talked about, uh, something that, so one of the most popular episodes I've ever had on the podcast and part of it is I just interviewed a really cool guy, Chase Burns of land guys and dogwood land management out of West central Illinois. Just a really cool guy. But 
he, uh, I titled the episode something like, this was clear back like episode 20-ish. Um, it was Yeah, it was, it yeah. was a long time ago. OG episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> One that I don't dare listen to now because I'll just be cringing at myself. But but uh, the, the topic was something like uh, finding, like how to manage a small property for whitetails or something like that. But there people are super interested in that because that applies to a lot of people's situations. Amos Medford of the wannabe hunting podcast. uh, He's a first gen hunter. He killed his first buck in Florida uh, on his uh, wife's grandparents, six acre piece killed his first whitetail in six acres. You know, like that situation I think applies to so many people. Like they have some kind of Mm. cousin or aunt or uncle who they're the only one who's got any kind of land. And it's like three acres or five acres, you know? So you talked a little bit about that 18 acre piece where your buddy shot, you know, a 200 inch class buck and uh, awesome video, by the way. So if you're tuning into this, go follow subscribe to uh deer co and check out the video um it's from the 2021 season but uh how do you like target these areas like find the spot within the spot really so for me and the thing i've realized over time is that every state this isn't just pertaining to iowa every state has big deer so if that's if that's what you want to do if you want to target big deer you're going to need to find those neighborhoods that are actually holding those big deer, right? Mm, You're not going to shoot them if they're not there. So good point. The more time and in my given situation, the more time I spend in Iowa and even States like Iowa have neighborhoods where, you know, the hunting isn't that great. So to speak, you know, there might be a section of timber that, you know, either it gets shotgun hunted by multiple groups every year. It just, the deer may have a little bit rougher life in that timber section. So once you come across those, those areas where, uh, you can confirm that, you know, big deer are holding in, in that giant section of timber with regularity, then I just go on Onyx and I really start to pick apart little spots. You know, I may have a, a big timber section to the north excuse me, the big timber section to the south. Maybe there's just a little timber patch that just connects those big couple hundred acre chunks. Hmm. And that, you know, it's a creek or, you know, there might be something, you know, in there that generally speaking, most oftentimes where where I'm at in Iowa, it'll be a creek that'll join those two properties together. And around that creek, you know, they, it won't be, uh, you know, obviously they can't, farm it there's this giant creek bed so there'll be trees there you know left standing in that in that little section and i'll just there might be a corner of a property that just segments that creek and that funnel connecting two big timber sections and let's say the rest of the whole thing is is ag or crp whatever mm-hmm. i'll knock on those on those doors because i it's i've had such a difficult time trying to get on big farms it's almost impossible, especially in, in the state of Iowa. People ask you, they want to know where you're from. You tell them you're from New York and good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, and even different counties, people are very particular. But but long story short, those little parcels, that 18 acres is, is literally just a sliver of timber that butts up to a major road and a railroad track. Um, I have, uh, off the top of my head, I have three other properties that, 
are in that 15 acre to even five acre parcels. Wow. So, you know, and a lot of those spots are what you would call your rut farms, right? Sure. Yeah. So they're major funnels that are pinching deer down and basically the thought process is, okay, I, if I hunt this spot five to 10 days during the rut, if a deer comes through here, I'm not only am I going to see him, but it, it could be such a small parcel that I'm going to have a chance. The deer is going to walk by me at 30 yards. And right. He's automatically he comes, in bow range. Right. And, and I think, especially for the people that don't have a lot of time to dedicate to it, those parcels are your golden ticket, you know, That's not only right. Because you know, with archery equipment in itself, you are so limited. Yep. I don't care what anyone says. If you go, hunt a giant timber block in the rut you can rattle as many deer in as you want a high percentage of those deer are going to come in downwind and they're going to bust yeah. you're going to have deer chasing does like crazy you're going to see a lot of action but the rut is tough to hunt with a bow man yeah. it's it's not easy right that being said you know in those funnels you just provide yourself with uh the advantage of shrinking the space the area down where deer are going to travel. Yeah, know? that's a great point. You may have your deer that bust out into the CRP field and they just go taking off clear across the field with a buck hot on her tail or whatever it might be. But generally speaking, the deer are going to stick to the cover. So when you have those little draws, they're going to most oftentimes use them. And I'm not even looking for a buck with a doe most oftentimes. I'm just looking for a buck out cruising sure. looking for a doe. And I feel like that given scenario of those tight pinch points um, where on the map it might not look like a lot, I think you'd be surprised how many big deer. And it's a, a lot of people, this isn't a secret. There's a lot of people that do this and uh, use it to their advantage during specifically the rut. Um, that's a great, that's but, a great piece of advice. Yeah, I've never, you know, you say that a lot of people have, have probably talked about that, but I don't think I've had anybody put it quite that way on the podcast. And like I said, you're interview number 118. So talk to a lot of deer guys and nobody's really put it that way. That's a great point. And certainly, you know, if you're tuning in, you've not done a lot of hunting in your life. That's a great way to maybe find some right. success during the rut. I mean, to even touch on that a little further, if you don't mind, it's like, oh yeah, go you know, for it. you think about the climate that we're in as far as uh, just the whitetail world, right? It's, yeah, it's food plots. It's big managed farms. It's mm -hmm. leases. It's all this stuff. And what does that all I mean? At the end of the day, that all costs a lot of money. Oh, you got to yeah. have access to a tractor, some sort of implements for the tractor. You got to yep. have the time to do it. You got to be able to water your plots if they're not going to get enough yep. rain fertilizer like there and and leases not only not only the cost of planting the food plots but if you don't own property you're probably gonna have to lease the ground to put food yep. in yep so you know there's a lot of cost that goes into that i don't have a single lease i don't have any food plots uh what i'd like to have some yeah i'd like to have some food somewhere but yeah. you know the reality is is that i just i'm not at that point in my life where i where i and financially in the spot to be able to do it. But, but also you have to realize that there's a lot of opportunity out there 
for permission farms and you yeah. don't need to go spend two thousand yep. dollars on a lease to have success deer hunting. Yep. You know, you just don't need to do it. Yeah, you know, uh when I hear people complain about that and I see so one of my co-hosts that's often on the podcast, he's with his family right now, so I didn't I didn't bug him. I already got him on earlier this week, but <laughs> but uh he's he's out in Michigan right now visiting his in laws. But uh he uh is the world's best permission seeker. I mean I don't know if the guy's ever been told no. He <laughs> he just like he, he just knows how to get it done. And so he hunts. If people could see the properties that he gets permission on, it's got to be some of the best whitetail property in the world, literally in the world, and he hunts it for free. He doesn't right. he doesn't he doesn't have to spend all the money like Jake's talking about. He's he's just willing to be a good person, go knock on the door and and uh you know do what it takes to to build their trust and yeah and not help somebody out right yeah he's done he's gone and bailed hay for farmer right. in exchange for hunting permission he's and man it's it's all done for free like jake's talking about and you know what i think you know one of the cool things about the whitetail world and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about when you pitched your idea to born and raised like how big the whitetail world is you can have the far end of it where it's like guys are hunting whitetails in open country with traditional archery tackle you know all the way to guy you know drops a couple million bucks on a premier farm puts up tower blinds everywhere into these super manicured food plots, you know, like, and it's all whitetail hunting, all in one one species. I don't think you can find any other species that's hunted and see such a wide range of approaches. I think probably the closest right. you could get to would be like, um, maybe like black bear hunting or something. I don't know, but yeah, but or mule deer maybe. Even. Yeah, yeah, but even even there, a lot of that's you know going to be spot and stock and, and right. So. It's this wide-ranging thing, but I think there's something to be said for guys that are are grinding it out uh, for free, you know, that are not running a million trail cameras. I heard a guy on a podcast today. He runs, and so he's a cop, so he's not, like, rich. Right. He runs 30 cell cameras a year. I mean, think of that. Like, dude, that's... I mean, you're, he's got to have like $10,000 in equipment out there in the woods. You know, it's like, that's bonkers yeah. to me, but, yep. but, and that's just on cameras, let alone, you know, everything else. And there's something to be said when you're, and not, not to knock that guy, you know, good for him that he can do that. Right. And, but I think there's something to be said when, when you got to kind of do it the free way, the hard way, <laughs> you know, in right. some ways you, you learn so much more, which made me think of something else, you know, coming from New York. That's a tough state to be a whitetail hunter. There's a lot of deer there. There's tons of deer. Yeah, I, I, my, tons. My in-laws are from New Hampshire, so I've definitely uh, been through New York a bajillion times driving out there, and I see deer everywhere. But it's a tough place to be a deer hunter. Um, did you feel like when you came to, well, when you went up to Saskatchewan, which is basically the Iowa of Canada, and right. you, you're here now in Iowa, and I think you've, danced around in some of the neighboring big whitetail states as well right and done some seasons mm-hmm. there and and uh um did you feel like holy cow this is so much easier 
or did did you did you feel like you know having the challenges that you had hunting in a in a tough area to to kill a mature whitetail like New York did those skills like really hone you so that when you got to a more target rich environment less competition environment like you you just jumped right in you were 10 steps ahead yeah you know it's a I guess to be completely honest, when I was in New York, at least at that at that at that uh, stage in my hunting career, I wasn't so so zoned in on shooting mature whitetails. Honestly, you sure. Know, I was, you know, I wanted to. Sh- I had I ran some cameras. I had a lot of permission pieces, and and where I lived it was a suburban area, bow only. So okay. I was hunting a lot of small, small parcels there. You know, it's the same thing. It goes back to sure. like your five acres, 10 acres, 15 acres. And it's funny in the neighborhoods like that, you know, you get to watch, you know, deer move from property to property and kind yeah. of like seek what seek one does kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I guess the biggest thing that I noticed uh, making the transition to the Midwest, Iowa specifically was that, the age class of the deer without question was infinitely better, hmm. uh, anywhere, you know, I could throw out a trail camera in my backyard at my house and I could get pictures of five and a half year old bucks, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and not have a real problem with it. Um, whereas in New York, they're around, you know, it's not yeah. any state has them but with far less frequency. Um, so th- I think, I think that was a big advantage jumping in uh, to the whitetail woods in Iowa. You immediately have that card in your deck where you're just hunting better managed property and there's just less people around. Yeah. So yeah. that makes a huge you know, difference. Makes a huge difference. And this is something that this year has been a huge topic of conversation. Uh, so in New York, there's not a lot of big farms. It's all parceled off just Mm -hmm. so, you know, you might have a thousand acres and it's, it's parceled off into 15 different parcels. So there's 15 people plus some hunting that thousand acres. Right. So then if you think about it like that, then let's go to Iowa and maybe that a thousand acres, excuse me, is parceled off five times. Yep. So now you've got five people hunting plus a few extras, a lot less people hunting that big section. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I think is honestly, I think that's one of the biggest untold secrets is that hunt around big parcels that have the fewest landowners because inevitably it means that less people can hunt that big section. I think, and that's for me where I feel like I find the biggest deer is in sections like that. Just because yeah, that's interesting. I never heard somebody put it that way. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, so when I was getting, you know, like really getting started with deer hunting, I, I, um, my biggest teacher was Mark Kenyon through wired to hunt. I would listen mm-hmm. to wired to hunt every single week. I still listen to it all the time. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. Great show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. 
Mark and Mark is one of the best guys in the industry. He really is. He, uh, he came on here for my 100th episode. It was just kind of a cool, you know, like full circle thing. Like, Hey, you're the dude that taught me how to hunt. And I don't know if you know that or not, but you did. And, and, uh, he was, you know, just so generous with his time and everything. But, uh, one of the things I realized maybe, I don't know, four years into hunting, five years into hunting was, Mark was always talking from the context of being a Michigan whitetail hunter, a Michigan bow hunter. Uh, very, very pressured state, you know, that, well, it's New York's neighbor, right? So, right. So it's, you know, there's just tons and tons, way more deer hunters in Michigan than in Iowa. And, uh, yep. uh, just a total different culture around that, that too, you know, uh, it's kind of very similar to Wisconsin, where, uh, you know, it's just this like, uh, old school buck poles and deer camps and deer drives and, right. and, and all that stuff, you know? And, and, uh, so the deer there are just very, very pressured. Well, I would learn from listening to his show, like just how easily you can pressure deer. And so what I found was I would be like playing it too careful and I would miss out on opportunities. I'd be close to an opportunity, but I'd just be like outside of that shot window or something because I was being so careful. And I finally realized I was like, you know, Mark does that because he has to in Michigan. There's just way more pressure. I don't have to do that in Iowa. Probably there's just like, you know, I remember when my brother, so I got my brother in hunting, my younger brother, Jake, uh, and uh, he shot his first deer at 10 yards with a muzzle loader. We had no idea what we were doing. I think I had killed one deer at that point in my life. So we had one deer between the two of us. And uh, we had staked out this spot up on this ridge that we knew from the past. We had seen some deer, you know, that were in shooting range. And we were doing a late muzzleloader hunt or something, early muzzleloader. And we're like, oh, we're not seeing anything. You know, it's like. It's like eight thirty, <laughs> and so we start walking down the hill, and we just walk into these two does, like ten yards. We just hit the deck, and he gets a shot off, and the the doe just like stood there looking at us at ten yards. You know, it's like, and realizing I was like, man, what deer does that? You know, where they they don't just immediately yeah. blow at you and turn around and run away, like gives you a ten yep. yard shot. You know, after walking right into mm-hmm. them and. The answer to that is a very unpressured deer does that, you know, like what, what are you, you know, I don't really see too many of you walking around. And, uh, so it just taught me like, man, because there is that pressure difference here, you can hunt in a totally different way and get away with things. And I think you got to apply that to anywhere you're hunting. You know, if you want to go hunt whitetails, if I wanted to go hunt whitetails in Michigan, man, I'd have to be even more careful than Mark because Mark's a better hunter than me, a lot better hunter than me, and I'd have to be even more careful. Whereas if I'm going to go down to, you know, the southern border of Iowa in one of those, like, central counties down there where there's, like, 10 people that live there, I mean – the the deer outnumber the people like 50 to one By you know far yeah yeah yep. you know so you can be as you can be as aggressive as you want to be you know break out your your inner zach farinbaugh there and you know <laughs> crawl right Get up ghillie suit on that's right so yeah you, you know it's and, like you gotta you gotta make that adjustment and you'll see you know if you spend some time with 
a few different people, you can pick up on people's styles pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I filmed Mike Reed at Midwest Whitetail, and he is just like, go, 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 go. It's the wrong wind. We're going. The weather is inclement weather. We're going on the same <laughs> stand. Like, he is like pressure, 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 pressure. And yeah. eventually the deer's going to slip up, and guess who's going to be sitting in the tree stand? Mike Reed is going to be sitting yep. right there. It's going to kill that deer, right? Yep. And then, and then the polar opposite is you have Jared Mills, who is like tiptoe around and like very deliberately plans out. Okay, I need this wind to get in here. I need to get my my bad boy buggy here so that I can yeah. not leave ground scent. And like he's very careful, and you, you see it work out. Like Jared's killed some great deer. But there's other times when I'm sure Jared will tell you that, you know, I potentially missed out on this opportunity because I wasn't as aggressive. So, sure. you know, it's, it's, you know, you can weigh the pros and cons, but totally everyone has their own style of, yeah. of, of hunting pressure wise. Yeah. 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 I think it's just a variable. Like you said, that a lot of people don't, they don't talk about it. the dirty little secret. Yeah. We don't have near as much hunting pressure here in Iowa, but, right. but all that to say too, we're not saying that we don't want more people to hunt. Um, I think it's important Absolutely. for hunting to stick around that we have strength in numbers. So, so uh, yeah, you know, um, and to, to quickly add on to that, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my friends that are from New York have come to visit me uh, during mm-hmm. the shotgun season. Cause I don't, yeah. I'm generally not hunting during the shotgun season. Sure. It's the wild west yeah. out here during the shotgun yes, season. Yes, it is. Like it's it's no games in Iowa during shotgun season. <laughs> the boys are out in full force. They got their trucks. They got it's it's a deer harvest out here yes. during the shotgun season. That being said, as soon as the shotgun season cuts off, it tanks again. So, yep. yeah, you're you're totally hit the nail on the head. Yeah, the deer are definitely not as pressured. That being said, we definitely have a pretty rigorous uh, schedule when it comes to the shotgun season. Although yeah. it's it's jammed into this little window, yeah. but those guys are hunting the whole. They're taking off work. Everyone's off work, and it's yep. just let's go push timber, and that's it. But. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like how Iowa structures their seasons. You know, they put that gun season not during the rut. Like Illinois, imagine what what Illinois would be if they didn't, you know, have a gun season right during the rut. You know, that'd be right. And they're still a great whitetail state. You know, probably, mm-hmm. in all honesty, probably no difference between Illinois and Iowa. But, but um, you know, Iowa makes it tougher for non-residents to come here and and draw an archery tag, especially. And right. uh, you know, they they allow, and as a result, as a resident, we get a hunt two whitetails a year, two bucks a year, you know, or if you own land, you could even hunt three and get a land on our tag. So a lot of opportunities here right. protected for us by our, our state uh, game laws. So yeah. Yeah. Very Absolutely. cool. All right. One other thing I want to ask you about in this topic here is Saskatchewan really like the, the golden city for, for whitetails. I mean, I, whenever I, whenever somebody uh, like mentions, like deer hunting in Saskatchewan, I, I just start like daydreaming about chocolate racks and and like yeah. uh, you know just giant heavy bodied bucks with with it uh, is wild antlers. Is, is it is it all that it's cracked up to be? 
Yeah, it definitely is all that it's cracked up to be. And I think when I was leaving there, I talked to my uh, my Papa Joe about this. You know, he's like, what'd you think about Saskatchewan? And I was like, you know what? Aside from the deer hunting, they have the be- they have world-class waterfall, world-class fishing. They have world-class whitetail hunting, great elk hunting, wow. moose hunting, bear hunting. Think You could do, I mean, it's like... Man. It's the province is just stacked and it's giant mule deer. Like they have every, they have literally everything there, but <laughs> did you do any shed hunting up there? No, I didn't do any <laughs> shed hunting. Uh, it's so it's weird how, how it's broke up. So where I was, was at, um, whitetails across the province are like you mentioned, like it is like the candy land. It is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, our clients were shooting big bucks, you know, 150, 160 class bucks. We had a couple yeah. 180s taken, and awesome. they're just like heavy chocolate, gnarly deer. And we were all the way in Meadow Lake Provincial Parks. So, for those of you guys that aren't familiar, uh, that's like the very far northern reaches of the province, basically. Wow. It's way, way up there. And it, it look, looks like Alaska, it's just bush. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was incredible. We guided on 190,000 acres of crown land. So the government owns it. The yep. outfitter owns the outfitting rights to the property. And it was it was incredible. And uh, actually, I don't know if you know who Dean Partridge is with Canadian Whitetail Television. Um, I don't think so. I'll, I'll have to Probably look not. Is this a Canadian like thing? You know, it, it's. Sure. You know, I'm sure vastly the, the viewership is mostly Canadian people, but sure. Um, anyway, he lives closer to Saskatoon, where it's more ag and kind of what we what we relate to more. Mm-hmm. And they shoot giant deer down there too. So, so province wide, the whitetail hunting is is exceptional. It, it's sure. it's a bucket list place, is what you're saying. Everyone oh, is trying yeah. to. Yeah. Did, you, yeah. did you get to shoot anything while you're working up there? So I was so close to being able to shoot one, but the way it works is they get these allocations for deer tags, right? So you have a set sure. number of allocations. Um, our success rate was so high that we filled all our allocations out, and unfortunately at the end there wasn't. And we like there was this one buck that he was just a bully. It was all off bait piles too, right? So 190,000 acres in the bush, you need yeah. Yeah. you have to have bait piles. Like, Yep. And we'd run 33 or so bait piles with cameras on all of them. And uh, there's this one bully buck at this at this bait pile that was in a location that Jason, my boss, like he loved the spot, always has big deer. And he would just run every deer off. He's like, Jake, I got to get you in there to shoot that deer. And I was, I was, couldn't have been more excited. I'm like, yeah, let's go shoot that big six pointer and get him out of there. <laughs> but it didn't end up happening, unfortunately. So, so uh, it's yeah. all good. The experience was, was amazing. Yeah. Well, and you learn so much still by guiding and, and, uh, seeing other guys going, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's really cool. You had that experience and, and, uh, you know, you're here in Iowa now. Glad you're here. Uh, we got to do a hunt together sometime, at least do some shed hunting or pheasant hunting or something, but that'd be great. uh, That'd be a lot of fun. Um, so you, you plan to stick around Iowa long-term or do you think you're going to kind of rove around, hit, maybe live in Kansas at some point, Missouri, Indiana, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it's been talked about. 
Uh, I think if I was going to go to one place, I'd go to Kansas. Sure. Um, but I'm really happy with where I live at now. Down the road, you know, who knows where it will, where it'll take you, you know. Um, but at this point in time, no plans of going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, be right there in Riverside, Iowa, southeast Iowa. Yep. Yeah, that's a nice spot there. Kind of a uh, multi-county uh, area, like a little hub there for totally for like three counties. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a cool spot. There's some really good pheasant hunting around there too. So I'll make sure you get out to do some of that sometime. But but uh, yep. well, you know, as we're wrapping this one up, um, I did I do want to get a hunting story from you. So like. Maybe it could be from your guiding days. Maybe it could be uh, your buck from this last year, which is a real slammer of a buck. Um, just, just something that like is yeah. a, a really good memory of yours uh, hunting. And, and I mean, like paint the picture for us. Turn it, turn it into a mental YouTube video for us. Yep, yep. Man, it's that's such a hard question because. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure as you know, there's a couple that you always like hold close, right? Like, oh oh yeah, yes. Um, well, I guess just because it's on the YouTube channel, we'll talk about, you know, the deer from this year. It's just such a unique story in itself. So November 22nd, right? Hunting hard all year. We had some great weather in October, some, some nice cold fronts that pushed through Iowa, which I'm sure you hunted. Oh, yeah. um, yep. It had some great encounters, but ultimately uh, it led, we, we didn't have any, any, deer that we want to shoot in range so it just it was just tough man we were struggling um the 21st came around and i was like you know what i'm done with this deer hunting i'm just gonna take a day i'm gonna go pheasant hunting and i just got a dog this year and i was like i was really hoping to shoot a deer early so i could take him out pheasant hunting yeah you know do a little bit more of that so i go pheasant hunting um i think we shot our first rooster that day yeah we did shot our first rooster that day with the dog awesome uh, and flushed a few more birds just had a great day and driving home i'm always scanning around just like everyone you know you sometimes you, you i feel like i'm riding the rumble strip the whole way home so i'm constantly like <laughs> yeah. looking around looking around that's me during like, shed season buddy <laughs> right yeah uh, and i'm doing i'm like just that. So I'm, I'm going on the road. It's starting to get dark out. There's deer everywhere. It's cold. Mm-hmm. And I look over my shoulder and I see that all these does in this field and there's a dike in the back of this field, probably 200 yards off the road. And I just see bigs just sitting out there. Like, and he looked, you know, this is going to look crazy when you guys are watching this on the screen, but I, I kid you not. I wish I could show you the video of him from the field. He, this deer looked like he was this wide, just goalposts. So, so basically, and, like like four feet wide is is what it right. looked like. Yeah, it looked like a mule deer standing out there. <laughs> and it, it was such a, it was such a quick flash. You know when you pass by a field and you see deer out there and, and you you kind of look quick, but you've got to like get back to driving. Yeah. You, you hit the quick Yui. So yeah, I pull into the first farm access, back out, and. I'll come back down the road and the does are starting to like, they're sketched out. They, yeah. They're like, they're like what's going on here? Yep. Yeah. They didn't like it. And so I, I grabbed my binos. I'm looking at them. I'm like, that is a giant deer. <laughs> and there was nothing there. It was, you know, t- touching back on the fact, like I said, 
some of these parcels that I hunt, they're small acreage wise. Yeah. This farm is probably timber, you know, probably in that ballpark of 10 acres, 15 acres. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, so immediately I'm like, I was just fixated. I'm like, I have to get permission on this property. Oh, yeah. This deer is here. He's not going anywhere. And he's yep. with these does. So I pull right into the first house. Um, they owned a small piece of this. And it was just like the dreaded no. Like, it's like, and I'm still, I'm trying to like, like just let me just hunt for one day, you know, just trying yeah. anything to like just get permission. And uh wasn't going to happen. So the other landowner lives in a different town that was farther away. And, and, as everyone knows, like when you start yep. making phone calls, your percentage goes down just drastically. So it's, yep. you know, it's almost not even worth calling. But in this case, of course, I get his number. And and on top of that, a lot of times the number you call isn't even connected. Like yeah. if you, if you get a live number off the, off the internet, <laughs> you, you, you got to get a lot of ticket after you get yeah, off the phone. Go get a lot of so this guy, <laughs> this guy answers the phone. And I'm like, hey, this is Jake Sproles, this so-and-so. Yep, yep. And it was just the it was the most odd phone call I've ever been in my life with someone asking for hunting permission. This guy I could tell he's been drinking. He's a he's a farmer. He's yeah. he's drinking. He his wife is driving him around. They're headed to Casey's to pick up a pizza for dinner. And he's telling me this, like that he's like <laughs> on his way. So and when I got a hold of him, he was pulling into the parking lot. He's like, here, talk to my wife. So he goes inside and his wife, like, we just like, it was so awkward. Like <laughs> and she's laughing. Like it was funny, but like, it was just weird. So I was, I didn't know what to say. Right. So he gets back in I, and he's like, okay, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you want? And I'm like, you know, I want to, I just want to know if I could potentially get some permission to do a little bit of bow hunting, you know, tomorrow on your property <laughs> over here. And He's going through the whole thing, telling me he's never doesn't let anyone out there, and and I'm thinking it's just like it's gonna build up, and I'm gonna talk to this guy on the phone for 30 minutes, and he's gonna be like, "All right, thanks for calling, see ya." And so, yep. of course, I stick around. Go ahead, buddy. Gives me the keys to the place. Wow. Just park at park at my grain bin. There's a big walnut patch down there, planted walnut patch. You got to get down in that walnut patch and this and that. Uh, and I'm just trying to get off the phone with him at this point before he reneges on his offer. <laughs> right. So I, I'm like, thank you very much. And uh, get off the phone and call my buddies. Go to bed that night. Wake up in the morning. I'm driving there, pitch blackout. I kid you not. I'm not a big, like, believer in, uh, like, conspiracies or, like, sure, yeah. stuff like that. But I'm, right, I'm driving down 218, which is a major interstate. Yep. Uh, runs north and south. And this comet is just blazing across the <laughs> sky, man. Like, and I'm just like, no. I'm like, look at this comet coming across the sky. And I just had that weird feeling on like today's the day. Like, it has to be today. You're seeing red. Dude, it was it was crazy. So and I, I didn't really think that much of it, but I'm not gonna lie, sure. it crossed my mind. Yeah. So I pull I pull into this grain bin. Uh, park my truck, get everything out. I got my stand, my sticks, everything on my back, my camera. And I just take off and start sweating. 
and the creek bed was a lot steeper than I anticipated. And there's a lot more, there's a beaver dam. So there's a lot more water than I anticipated. So, you know, when I was getting aggravated because yep. I was like, yeah, this sucks that I'm doing yeah. this in the dark and I'm probably just blowing every deer out of here. So I took, I was just was like, all right, so take my time. That's a huge thing. Take, take your time. Like yeah. people that are listening to this, don't try not to get worked up. If, if you're, if it gets daylight out, so be it. It gets daylight. Just take your time. Yep. So that's what I did. Took my time. It's just cracking gray. I get across this Creek and I'm in this plowed field walking down the edge and I'm just, I can just barely see it's gray. And I, and I, there's probably only five yards of timber. And then it, it's a, it's a, it's a drop off into a Creek bed, a nice flat. And then it drops off into the actual Creek. So it's, it's field drop off to a flat and then the creek bed about five yards of timber on top i'd blow this doe out of there way far away from where i saw the buck and the doe and those does the night before so you know it's just a doe whatever i'm just gonna keep going i'm not gonna stop sure. here so i go another 50 yards boom i i jump this deer i look up it's it's him he's he's turned around from me and he's just like slow bounds like away and i could just see the frame and he looks even yeah. bigger right running away from you yeah i'm like oh i'm like it's him and i'm still eight you know eight nine hundred yards away i thought i was in the clear yeah not the case but i was walking with the wind in my face and it was a slow bound it wasn't like it was like immediately apparent that he didn't know what i was yeah, he probably just he probably heard you. He probably didn't smell you. He probably didn't see you. Right, right. And I was relatively quiet because it was, it was a tilled field that he he had. Uh, I think he just put an hydrus down on it, so okay, it was yeah. vertically tilled. It wasn't ripped. And I was just walking on like the dirt, and he probably heard that doe jump up too. So I'm like, okay, I'm just like, and I had the wind in my face. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna back up. The walnut patch was on the opposite side of the creek from me, and that's why I was on this side because I was going to walk down a ways, the wind in my face, and then cross over and get just pop up on the bank and hang in the walnut patch. That was mm -hmm. my plan. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go back where I came from, and I'll just drop down into the creek bed, and I'm just going to hang out for a while. And he, I knew he didn't know what I was. I'm just going to hang out for a while, and then I'll set up, and maybe I can rattle him in in an hour and a half two hours whatever yeah so i get down to this creek bed i don't even know what kind of tree i was i was at but there's this big tree and i just was kind of looking down the creek bed and you know how those creeks are there's got all these curves oh, yeah. and, and peninsulas with swamp grass on them yep i'm looking and i see the deer he's standing on this peninsula in the creek bottom and he, he's just looking up at where i come where i bumped him from and then he just wow. starts blowing and blowing and blowing. I can like, you know, when it, people take the like video and you can just see like the, like, yeah, like, yep. like, like the steam coming out of the deer's nose. It was, it was crazy. And of course my camera's in my backpack. Right. So I'm just like, I got my stand, my sticks, everything's on <laughs> million dollar footage right there. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, no way. So I'm watching him and, and he starts to like, you know, he'd, he'd blow and he'd put his head down and he'd take one step and he's, yeah. he's going back towards where I came from. There's a hill there. And uh, eventually 
that probably goes on for two minutes maybe. And then he just, he bull rushes to the top, like full run up the hill backward. It's crazy. Do you you think he was almost snort wheezing? Like maybe he thought it was another buck getting in. You know, I I think what he thought it was, was a coyote or something. Okay. And then he was going up there to like, or he thought it was another buck maybe, but he was, he was totally blowing. I mean, it was like, it, it wasn't a, that, yeah, the, it was like, the, yeah, just like, yeah, like just, that, and, yeah. He was, and he was stomping his feet. And so then he goes up and he's out of sight. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm looking down the Creek. And I'm just trying to com- I'm just trying to come to terms with what's going on. And at that point, I, I was talking to myself, you know what? Just hang tight here. Let stuff calm down. There's nothing you can do right now to better your situation. Yeah. Just hang out, you know? So I'm yeah. hanging out and mind you, right? So I was downwind of him. So he never smelled me. So like a big deer do, he loops what I'm, I couldn't see him up in the field. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I'm guessing he did is he came up to the top and he just made a big loop to try to get downwind of whatever it was to try to identify whatever it was that spooked him. And as I'm sitting there, I'm looking towards the bank and I just see him like, just like pops his head, just like right over the bank. And I happen to just be looking that way. And he, it's cracking gray. Like, you know how it is. He he skylighted himself horrible. Just, and it just like, wasn't even his whole body. It's like, he literally just stuck his head over the edge (laughs) to see down there. I'm just like, no way. This is the wildest thing, man. Crazy. And I had, I had my bow in my hand. I did not have an arrow knocked. And he like checks it out, looks around side to side. And then he just hops down onto the bank and starts, starts coming down to the flat, the first flat, which I'm on. Right. Oh no. And this is, and I'm looking back where I came from. So he's probably 40 yards away when he, popped his head over so i'm grab i immediately made the decision all right i know i'm i know i don't have my camera out i i'm not set up to shoot a deer my stand is everything was on my back my tree stand my stick still on my back i never had time to shed it off there so i'm like i'm shooting this deer you know i'm at the end of the day what we're doing you know is i'm hunting for me you know yeah you're hunt you're hunting for that exact moment right there. Yeah, and that may sound selfish to some people, and I'm okay with that. Like cuz yep. in all reality, I'm not doing it for anyone else but me. So I made yep. the conscious decision no matter how big of taboo it may be in our world of yeah. video production, it's such a big no-no. But I don't care. So I make the decision, yep. I'm shooting this deer. I knock an arrow and there's a big stump in front of me and then a bunch of briars next, Mm -hmm. you know, to the right of it. And I can see him coming and he, there's a deer trail right before those briars. And as soon as I see that he's going to come down that trail and he's behind this big stump, I draw back and he's coming through. And I thought he was completely broadside. Mind you, it's still, it's well in the shooting light, but still like, you know, gray enough where I couldn't tell how exactly he was positioned. If he was just sure. a little quartering two or what, I just buried the pin behind his shoulder and I stopped him. And it was one of those time seems like it's passing so slow that I'm like, okay, I need to shoot. 
you know, yeah. he's going to move here soon. Right. I, I, I let it go. I had a Luminoc on, uh, or a Nocturnal and it was, it happened so fast and he was so close that I didn't even, I couldn't even see it go off. I could see the arrow laying on the ground after the arrow passed through, but he turns around wheels around and takes back, takes off the direction he came back up the bank. I take my pack off and yeah. le- I leave my bow, everything. I'm thinking I smoked him. Yeah. And I just take off for the bank. Cause I, I know when I get up there, it's just wide open field. I'm going to be able to see him go down. Right. So I get up there. I'm breathing hard and I'm standing up there and I see him. There's in the way the field lays out, it's like cornfield access road on a berm and then cornfield. So like a human, like I could crawl to the berm and not be seen from the other side. That's it has that kind of elevation. Sure. So I get up to the berm and I peek up and he's standing in the field, you know, in that ballpark of a hundred yards away. And I can see the exit is in front of his rear hind quarter and he's bleeding a lot and he's flickering yeah. his tail and he would take a few steps, stop, take a few steps, stop. And I filmed him with my phone and he was working his way back to where I bumped him from the first time. So I, I went back, tried to get, I got my bow, tried to get in a spot to shoot him again, thinking I had, I had uh, hit some of that brush coming through and kicked the arrow, or maybe yeah. I made a bad shot. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. All I knew was I saw the exit in the rear quarter yeah. of the deer. And the closest I was was 115 yards. I just wasn't comfortable with taking that shot. And yeah. he was bleeding enough where I'm like, the deer's going to die. We're just going to have to give him some time. Yeah. You know, so it's like not ideal whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I back out, uh, Get it. I called Mike uh, from uh, Drone uh, Deer Recovery. Actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, you know that sounds like a, a good deal." Uh, you know, I'm in Ohio. If I flew down there, he has a plane. He's like, "If I flew down there, you know, how much? You know, could you help me out?" Basically, and I don't have an, I don't have seven hundred dollars to pay for fuel and a plane and stuff All like right, that. So right. I'm like, you know what, man? I appreciate it. I'll just get a dog. So. Yep. We've talked about it since funny, but anyway, I get a dog 26 hours later, the next morning we go in there and ultimately the dog leads us right to him, uh, 70 yards inside the timber. And, you know, you're worried that coyotes might, you know, leaving a deer like that. Yeah. Um, to this day, we don't know what it was. I think it was a river rotter chewed his nose off. Really? I've never seen I've never seen that before. Yeah, and there was like oyster shells shucked that were all over the bank around the area, huh. which is river it's river otters. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, we flip them over, and the arrow, and this is just you know kind of bow hunting in itself is just a mystery sometimes. But yeah. I hit him perfectly behind the shoulder, and either I glanced, you know off the rib where it meets the sternum or what have you, but pick the arrow out the back and uh, there he was. He was laying right there and filled my tag for the season. It was a tough go, but just a, such a Man, unique wh- way to end up getting it done. <laughs> yeah. What a, what crazy. a crazy cool story. And man, you were getting a, uh, 
I don't know, a National Geographic lesson there on what what big bucks do when they get spooked. Right. <laughs> I mean, you got to see the whole thing. And, you know, that's that's a lot right. of valuable uh, experience there, too, you know, just for yeah future reference. Hey, and, <clears throat> you, know, you know what else is, and this is something that made the hunt so cool, and like you mentioned earlier today, you know, that cop uh, that you talked to running 30 yeah. cell cameras. I, myself, I, I have a plethora of cell cameras. The coolest part, and I kid you not, I'm not just blowing smoke. The coolest part about the hunt was even when I shot the deer, I had no idea what he really looked like. I didn't know how many points he had. I didn't know what deer it was. To walk up on a deer like I did in the early, you know, in the very beginning of my hunting career and not know for sure, not know what deer you shot. Zero history. The coolest feeling. Oh, yeah. in a world where you know people have eight years, you know, and some t- and some uh, instances to five years of history with a deer on you know some of these managed farms, yeah. it, was, it was that I, for me was the coolest part for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we can, and I've I've talked about that on this podcast before. You know, I've I've almost been a trail camera nihilist, is what I call myself at times. Like I really, I had, I have maybe a few cams out now. I'm sure they're all dead by now, but, but, uh, <clears throat> like I used to run them religiously and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I just kind of got out of it, you know, and, and, uh, this year I shot a, a really nice buck here on the home farm and I had never seen the buck, you know, I'd never seen him before. And here's this, you know, big gnarly, He's got like 15 scorable points and just, you know, just trash yeah. everywhere. You know, I'd never seen this thing. Yeah. And, How cool is that? Yeah. And I, and even when I pulled the trigger on my muzzleloader, he, he was at like 30 yards. And, um, like I couldn't see much. All I could see was that his, his rack was big enough that he was a mature buck. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. So then when I walked up on him, it's just like, you're saying, it's like, man, all that mystery. It's, it's, it's very <laughs> similar to shed hunting. You know, it's like when yeah. you're walking into a spot where it's just juicy and you're like, man, there's going to be sheds in here. And that like excitement of like, what kind of shed is going to be in here? You know, like, and then you right. find some hammer. It just, it just sends you through the, through the moon. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's it, it, you're you're exactly right, but I, there is a ton of value though too to running cameras, and I'm planning to get back into it more this season. But but um, no, I agree, man. It's fun to have some mystery still there, and and uh, put me on record. I if if a bill came across to ban cell cameras, I, I'll sign it. Wow. And that's 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 discussion for another day because you could really oh, yeah. dive into this. But dude, we're bringing you on for a picking bones episode, <laughs> man. Where we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. That's awesome. Dude, I would sign it tomorrow. I mean, you know, it's just I'm a big anti uh, technology guy when it comes to the hunting space. Like, I think we have some stuff that we need to protect, and like, there's a fine line to teeter on. But anyway, yeah. I'll I'll sign it tomorrow for anyone that, yeah. that's got something don't work and it works out there. Send hey, my I, way. I, I love hearing different, <laughs> I love hearing different opinions like that. It's, it's good. Yeah. And, I, and it's good. It makes for good conversation for sure. Absolutely. That good dialogue that needs to happen to keep things right. So no, it's a, it's good. Well, Hey Jake, how do people uh, find your YouTube channel? How do they follow you on Instagram? All that good stuff. Um, YouTube is just search Deerco one word D E E R C O. 
Uh, same goes for Instagram. Check us out there. We're going to be doing some turkey hunting stuff soon, so that's something you can expect here in the near future. We kind of, you know, kind of pigeonholed ourselves a little bit with the name Deerco, but <laughs> I love to turkey hunt, and it's something I've I've always been real passionate about. So that'll be uh, have some good turkey hunting content. I want to stop by and check that out too. Yeah, and uh, you're going to hate me for saying this, but uh, the Northeast is uh, the un the unsung uh, great part of our country for Eastern turkey hunting. That's, it is so good up that way. (laughs) There's turkeys everywhere, but Mm -hmm. that's why they had them for Thanksgiving, I guess, back in the day. (laughs) That's right. That's where the pilgrims, that's why they landed there. That's right. They knew it. Oh, this place looks like it's going to be pretty brutal in the winter. (laughs) Yeah, but look at all those turkeys. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Definitely, definitely a a husband or, or a a boyfriend or somebody who made that decision there. You know, the wife's like, it's way too cold here. Let's go on down to Florida. Yeah. But they got turkeys. Yeah. A guy with a blunderbuss and really (laughs) like turkey on it. (laughs) That's how they ended up there. That's that's exactly right. Man, the history's mysteries being solved here on on the first gen under podcast. Well, this about cracking a book open. We got it right here. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, man, this has been one of the most fun conversations I've had in a long time on the podcast. Just uh, not that the other ones weren't great or anything. This was just a lot of fun. We it was kind of, you know, I had a loose script for it, you know, loose outline that, but I knew Jake right. was just good with conversation and it's just fun to let it flow and and uh, see where it went. But no, Jake's a great guy. Deerco is an awesome brand. You definitely want to subscribe to his his YouTube channel. Look at the great content. See these hunts that he's talking about. And there is, like you said, some cell phone footage of the uh, buck that he got last year. He uh, showed yep. me some of that. Just an incredible animal. And, um, uh, of course, a lot of other great stuff from not just last season but the season before as well. So uh, get it. over there. Check that out. And uh, I bet you if you hit Jake up on uh, Instagram, if he's got any hats laying around, he was selling them like hotcakes at the deer. Gone. Concert. He'd probably, he'd probably, Gone. you could probably turn one up for somebody somewhere, but, <laughs> but uh, I, got, I got my personal one here with me. It's that's right. He'll autograph. Yeah. He'll, he'll smear a little deer blood on it and autograph it for you. Yeah, but, that's uh, right. But now, thanks, Jake, for jumping on. Thank you to everyone tuning in. Of course, make sure you uh, help the podcast out by checking out our sponsors. Go over to eastwesthunts.com. Talk to Alex. There's not a better hunt planner in the business. Get that nice, small business, personal touch. Always there for you for your questions. Also, Rents Gear um, will help you with... Uh, tag apps and uh, uh, just planning out where you should apply each year based on, uh, you know, point requirements and everything else that it's going on there. Alex is the guy to talk to. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10. Save yourself 10%. Put that money towards uh, some more hunting gear or maybe another cell cam before Jake bans them or, what, <laughs> you know, whatever else. But, no, use that promo code, and uh, that helps this show out, of course. And then please, 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 don't forget to get on board with the presenting sponsor of the podcast, Spartan Forge. Head over to Spartan Forge. Uh, just a phenomenal mapping app. I was on it again today, as I am every day during uh, deer season and shed season. And uh, like Jake said, turkey's coming up soon. Uh, that's going to be uh, going like crazy then as well. But I also am uh, working on uh, doing another spring bear hunt out west. Ooh. And uh 
Spartan Forge is expanding out to the western states, so they'll be available there. Uh, well, you can already use the mapping for that, but they'll have additional uh, features uh, with the app out west soon. So make sure if you're not on board with Spartan Forge yet, jump on there. Tell Bill that I sent you that way, and uh, you will not you will not be sorry you joined in. So, and of course, this fall. Uh, when you're deer hunting, use that deer behavior prediction aspect of the app just to help you prioritize the days that you should be in the woods. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you very much for tuning in. Please hop on, give uh, a five-star review if you wouldn't mind for the podcast, and uh, leave your comments and all that. Interact with me on Instagram, Go Wild, Facebook, wherever you can find me. Love hearing from you. It's really, like Jake and I talked about, it's the best part of what we do when we produce this content hearing from you guys. So, Until next time, though, take care and take someone hunting.